I'm home. Is someone chasing you? Not yet. But they will when they find out who I am. Who's your movie? Hello, everybody. Bill and Zim coming at you again with another Who's Your Movie? What up? And today, we're going to take you on a little modern-day Hitchcock tour. This one is from 2004 and stars Christian Bale, and this movie is called The Machinist. This is, like I said, this is very Hitchcock, so... We're going to have some back and forth explaining the plot here. It may seem confusing, but we promise we'll put it all together at the end. Because <laughs> so, that's what the movie did. So, buckle in. Here we go. So we open the movie with Christian Bale dumping a body that's wrapped in a rug into the water. There's a man with a flashlight approaching. He gets the body out in time after a little bit of a hang-up as it's rolling down this incline towards the water. As he does, flashlight hits him, and we hear a voice say, Who are you? We don't really get any resolution with that. We just cut right to Christian Bale washing up, so apparently he got out of it. He's washing his hands. In the reflection of the mirror, he sees a post-it note, and the post-it note says, Who are you? However, that's not my question. My question is, who the fuck washes their hands with bleach? That was my first thought, yeah. <laughs> Dude is actually, I think it was powdered bleach in this scene. Yes, it was. And and he's taking this and rubbing it all over his hands like like powdered soap. I, I can't imagine. No. Especially if you had like an open cut on your hand. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean... As Bill uh, told you in our last podcast, I had never seen this movie before today. And, yeah, that was not even a minute into the movie, my first what-the-fuck moment. <laughs> so, yeah, I've worked with bleach. I've done, like, food service jobs, and you have to, you know, if you have sandwich boards, you got to bleach them to clean them off at the end of the night. And Yeah, that stuff is... Gnarly, it gets like all slick on your hands because it's a base. And if it gets on your clothes, it makes your clothes do funky things. Like if you get on black clothes, it turns your black clothes orange. That's kind of cool. Till it, you know, is something that you actually want to wear in real society and not just in your job. Then it really sucks. Uh, yeah, not sure what's up with that, but uh, enough harping on him about his bleach, I guess. We move forward, and he is now in bed being uh, taken care of by a yet unknown woman. You can only see the top of her head at this point. Well, Holy but... hell is this guy skinny. Yeah. Holy hell. <laughs> I mean, Christian Bale, okay, imagine this host. If you haven't seen this movie, Christian Bale is an anorexic. This is not the least kept secret in the in the industry about how he achieved this, but for posterity, I will go through it. As he was preparing for this role, he subsisted on a diet of an apple and or a can of tuna, black coffee, and maybe a cigarette a day. 
That's it. He smoked to uh, curb his hunger. And he subsisted on that, which I think they said was somewhere around like two to three hundred calories a day-ish. Yeah, he dropped 63 pounds, wanted to go for an even 70, but the producers wouldn't let him because they were terrified of his health. At one point, he lost all of the body fat in his body and he was starting to lose like the muscle elasticity, so he was having things like fall off of the bone. <laughs> uh, yeah, not good, but it tells you the method of acting that Christian Bale will do because right after this he regained like 80 pounds of muscle for Batman crazy yeah it's amazing to the lengths these actors will go to ah man like I, I wow <laughs> and if you haven't seen a picture of him yet and or haven't seen this movie of course just Google Christian Bale and Machinist and look. In the first couple of images, they'll tell you all you need to know. But anyhow, we then find out that the woman that he is with is Jennifer Jason Lee, who is still unnamed at this point. But we do find out that Christian's ba- Christian Bale's name is Trevor. And Trevor works at a machine shop. Hence the name The Machinist. Go figure. Um... A co-worker has got a machine down to do some kind of maintenance on it. And the foreman comes by and is giving him crap for it being powered down because it takes seven minutes to power back up. And Trevor tells the foreman, come on, man, you know it's regulations. And foreman gets upset at this. Kind of implies that Trevor's not in his good graces anymore because he spoke up for the right thing to do and not the bottom line thing to do because <laughs> you know those seven minutes those are productive minutes that are being lost that are affecting the bottom line yeah that's corporate mentality right there screw the safety that's right so that is the initial introduction to trevor and his job next question of the day here who the goes to airports to get coffee and pie. Trevor. Yeah! Yeah, he's about the only one I've ever heard of. He uh, goes to an airport diner to get pie and coffee from this waitress. And you see, oddly, the clock go from 1.30 in one second to 1.30 in two seconds, and then back again to 1.30 in one second. It kind of goes back and forth. That's kind of weird. Well, it could be a metaphor for this movie, too. Yeah, could be. <clears throat> so, we find out from the waitress that his last name is Riznik. And fun fact, we were talking last podcast about Nine Inch Nails and closer being in the opening credits of Seven. Uh, Trevor Resnick is a derivative name from Trent Reznor. That is an actual on-purpose thing that happened. Thought that was kind of a nifty little drop-in. Yeah. So we have a Nine Inch Nails connection between last episode and this one. Yeah. da da <laughs> And then we see him lay down a $20 tip for this. Holy shit. Well, he is a machinist. They do pay get paid very well. Uh, apparently. And you know, coffee and pie, and especially in 2004, probably ran him about four or five bucks. 
Yeah, no, I'd say probably a little bit more than that. Especially in an airport, you're probably more like eight bucks. Could be. So we're still talking over two hundred percent tip. Yes, but you could kind of tell he did like the waitress. Yeah, that there's a little bit of banter back and forth between the two, and yeah, it's all very friendly. Plus, we'll say. <laughs> I'm not sure if this was the part of the week again because I just saw this for the first time. The waitress asking him why why would he come to the airport in the middle of the night to have coffee and pie. And I love his response to that. I can't remember. I well here I do remember. Said, I mean, if this, if this is the part, yeah, I can't remember either. But the, I, I love the I love his response though, <laughs> which was you know in case I have to get make my make my getaway. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's it's going at the end of the movie. That's actually rather symbolic. And you know the waitress asks you know you know why what did you do? And he said, do you keep a secret? Says, well, yeah, to my grave, which again, symbolic, and said, I'm Elvis Presley. <laughs> so if they ever catch on to me, I can make a quick getaway. He's, yeah, um, so from here, we kind of cut backward, or we cut back to Trevor's place, and you see him uh, on his couch with TV going. He is definitely an insomniac. He's. He had a book he, in his hand, and then book drops and wakes him up. Yeah, he's got all those signs. You know, he does like the uh, the late night restlessness, so he's cleaning his bathroom in the middle of the night, and uh, he'll nod off for a couple of seconds just to be right back up. Um, yeah, definitely the stereotypical insomniac. Absolutely, yes. So we see him in the bathroom, uh, and he's leaving a post-it on the wall, and it's. He's got this series of post-its for his weight, and he's down to 121, mm-hmm. which I think was a shoot. Um, I think that was his actual weight, and he is 6'3"? Could be, yeah. 6'2", six 6'3"? Six uh, we'll, we'll go to the Google machine and confirm that, but he's definitely not the 5'6 that the script called for. Yeah, no. So, he definitely breaks the 6-foot mark. But, you know, 5'6 and 121 is very different from 6-something and 121. <laughs> but he did it. Yeah. Man, hats off to the guy. Yeah. And he also puts a reminder. Uh, six foot. Six foot even? Six foot even. Okay. So, yeah, another half a foot. That's a big difference. So he also leaves reminders on these post-it notes. And the first one is by bleach. <laughs> So apparently he needs to wash his hands a little more. Well, that's what he was using the, the powder bleach on the bathroom floor, too. Yeah. Powder bleach and a toothbrush during the late night cleaning session. So we cut back to work, and Trevor's called into the office, and they claim that they're worried about him, blah, 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 or, you know, is everything okay? Foreman's in there. Uh, I, I don't know what position the other guy really, some kind of supervisor. This is clearly a punitive move by the boss, but there's no union rep there, and Trevor calls that out, and then the boss gets annoyed with that and see what I'm talking about, because, you know, God forbid we do things the right way. Right. So we see what kind of person the boss is, and we also see that... Well, they, uh, ask, they ask him if he's taking drugs, and no. Yeah, we we see that Trevor's... He plays by the rules. Like, to the letter, if possible. And yeah, they, they call him out, want him to take a drug test, and he kind of gets that 
look of disbelief, but then it immediately cuts to the next scene where he's going out to a smoke break. And this is where we meet Ivan. Ivan's new guy who is taking a place of this worker, uh, his last name's Reynolds. He's taking Reynolds' place because Ivan says Reynolds was picked up by the feds on some kind of warrant. Yeah, this dude, uh, if you ever watched WCW back in the day, this dude looks like Conan. <laughs> I'm not talking about Conan the Barbarian, not Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm talking about Conan the Wrestler. Oh, you couldn't be more spot on. <laughs> this dude... <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, I, nothing against Conan by any means, so if he hears this somehow, some way, please don't come looking for me. But uh, uh, Ivan, I have this overwhelming desire to just hit this guy in the face. Oh, he's a douchebag. Like, he's got this weird-ass, cheesy, at the same time, grin that he keeps throwing out there. And it's like, I just want to sock it off his face. Wearing, well, always wearing aviator sunglasses, and it's like... Yeah. And speaking of Conan from WCW, yeah, I, I don't care if I offend him, he sucked. <laughs> so, back at Jennifer Jason Lee's, uh, we get confirmation from Trevor that he can't sleep. He hasn't slept in one year. And we also find out that her name is Stevie. And as he's explaining this, Stevie gets a call, a eh, rather calm phone call, brief, but calm, and hangs up and she says it was her psycho ex which is odd that she was that calm about it if it was a psycho ex but hey okay back to work again trevor is now helping this guy miller who is played by michael ironside if anybody is a michael ironside fan you can get a little dose of him in this movie me <laughs> there you go he always plays a dick but he's a great he's great at it no offense michael <laughs> I mean, this means he's doing his job really well absolutely so Miller's trying to level the bed on his machine and he asks Trevor to come help him so he Trevor confirms the safety's off and the kill switch is hit and, he, and Miller gets in there to, to level stuff out in the meantime Trevor's getting distracted by Ivan from across the floor and then uh, Miller kind of calls him out on it, and you know says, you know, hey, get get focused here. So he goes back to the focus for a little bit, but then he looks up again, and Ivan kind of does the throat slash thing, which really kind of off puts uh, Trevor, who then inadvertently bumps the green activation switch and starts the machine. Miller's got long sleeves on, which are now caught in this machine that is running. And now there is a frantic scramble to get the machine to turn off. And they're hitting the red button right above the green one, and it's not doing anything. And he's calling for the breakers to get cut off, and they don't. And unfortunately for Miller, bad things happen to his left hand and then arm. Yeah. Oh, this was a particularly... Yeah, scene to watch. <laughs> yeah. I've seen gorier. Yeah, but... But, I... Yeah. That one kind of smacked you in the face. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's probably, on a scale of one to five, it's like a three and a half on the gore scale. Yeah. But it's enough that you're like, yeah, I get it, but I don't necessarily need to see that again. Right. So after all this goes down, uh, it ends up with Trevor back at home. 
we don't really get any much more of a resolution past the arm loss and seeing it in the machine, which is uh, spinning around. <laughs> I found that rather off-putting, but whatever. Yeah. So did the foreman who demanded the machine was shut off. Shut yeah. off. Yeah. Trevor's back at home. He opens up the bill from the utilities company that is a final notice. So he puts a new post-it up to remember to pay them. And when he does that, he finds a hangman puzzle on a different post-it on his refrigerator. He doesn't really know what it's about, which implies that he's not the one who made it. But how did it get there? So he goes downstairs to the landlady and goes to pay his rent, which is early, which I'd imagine he would not have normally done if he was not going down there to ask if anyone had been in his apartment. I don't know. Maybe he would have. But it seemed, I don't know if... You picked up on that, too, but it just yeah. seemed like that was his reason for going down there. Yeah. And maybe it was just a, whoa, whoa, I'm here. Yeah, exactly. Save me a trip. I don't know. But uh, but she confirms nobody was in there, and she asked if, like, he'd been burglarized or anything. But, yeah, other than the post-it note, nothing seemed off. Right. So we go back to the workplace, and they're in the accident review meeting. And he... Claims full responsibility. He says he was distracted while it happened. They show him the pictures of the accident, which I thought was kind of overkill. It's not like he didn't know what the hell happened. Right. Uh, and he copped to it, so it's not like he was trying to get out of it or anything. Or he said, covered up, yeah. Yeah, it was, I accidentally bumped the activator, and I thought the safety was on, and it just didn't kill. Yeah. But... They asked him what he was distracted by, and he says that he was distracted by Ivan, which he was. Yeah. But then they get confused, and they say, who? <laughs> and he says, Ivan, the new guy that took over for Reynolds. And they say, no, there, there's no Ivan. Uh, Reynolds is on the floor working, and he looks out, and Reynolds is on the floor working. So we have an interesting part of events. So why is Ivan in this machine shop? And why is he in there without anybody apparently noticing him and him clearly not getting paid? Yeah. So Trevor's driving home after this and he's uh, he's got a cigarette in his mouth and the cigarette lighter pops and he takes it out to light it up and nearly causes a crash when he looks down to pick up the cigarette lighter. Trevor's not the best driver we're going to find out here. No, uh, no. <laughs> this is the first instance of... Him not being the best driver in the world. But he avoids a crash. And we end up back at the airport. And then there's a, a brief but flirty scene with the uh, the airport waitress. Mm-hmm. And they make a date for Mother's Day. And I don't know if she was named at this point or not. But her name is Maria. So they plan to go to the amusement park where she was already taking her kid for Mother's Day. So... Yes, he's really just kind of tagging along. <laughs> I don't know. She felt bad for him because he had nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of, they have a talk about losing relatives because they both lost their mom. And they talk about losing family, which it, it's an important conversation, but it's it's brief. Yeah. So back at work, uh, Trevor's confronted in their changing area, locker room, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it seems like the guys are not taking too kindly to him still being there after the accident. Uh, nobody seems to want him around. Uh, one guy kind of leads the charge on this, but none of the others really speak up in his defense either. 
So whether it's just going along with it or whatever the case is, yeah, the majority seem to not want Trevor there. And at the, at the end of the scene in the locker room, Trevor says, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> that was the best fuck you in the world. Yep. <laughs> and as he's leaving after the I'll see you tomorrow, he sees Ivan pulling away. And he decides he's going to go chase him down. So he does. And he catches up to him at an intersection and wants to talk. He he actually first tells him that the foreman wanted to see him. And Ivan's like, nope, nope, going at beer. Yep, it's Miller time. <laughs> Which is an ironic thing considering the guy whose arm got lost was named Miller. Exactly. I feel like that was on purpose. Maybe it was just a lucky coincidence, but I don't feel like it was. So Trevor then asks, okay, well, can we talk? And I was like, okay, well, follow me. And just drives right through the red light. And nobody seems to care either. Like, nobody honked at him or anything. Mm. That was kind of funny. But he just cuts right through and goes. And Trevor's waiting for the light on, impatiently. <laughs> Doesn't turn. So well, here we go. And he almost causes another accident. <laughs> yeah. Busting through this red light. Number two. Yeah. After another display of poor driversmanship, I don't know if that's a word, but it's going to be a word now. And I still have to get to Webster's Dictionary about the last word I made up. So uh, we'll, we'll see if I can get two in on this year. <laughs> Trevor at the bar asks Ivan why work says that he doesn't work there. And Ivan first jokes around a little bit, but then he just says that they must be messing with him. Uh, Ivan goes to the bathroom but leaves his wallet, which is really weird. And stupid. Yeah, really stupid. But he does, and of course, as he's in the bathroom, Trevor goes through his wallet. And he sees and also takes this picture of Ivan and Reynolds, who he was supposedly replacing... On a fishing trip. Uh, Reynolds is holding a fish, and Ivan's next to him with thumbs up and that weird-ass smile that I want to punch. <laughs> so he takes it, and we cut back to Reynolds, or, uh, Trevor's house. And he calls Reynolds up and says that he's got proof. And Reynolds does not appreciate that. Oh, and Trevor's also really drunk, too. Yeah, I'm thinking whatever Reynolds was supposedly being accused of, he probably really did. Because he did not appreciate the word proof, it seemed. But, we now see the post-it again, and now the hangman says four blanks and an ER. So, we've got part of the hangman in. But he goes to Stevie, and he tells her about his theory about the plot against him. And he has an aha moment. We go back to that post-it note with the hangman, and he fills in T-U-C-K-E-R, Tucker, which is the name of the foreman. And there is also now a head on the, the gallow of the hangman. So now he thinks that Tucker's just messing with him to get him to leave. Stevie tries to calm him down and get him out of it and, you know, explain to him if it was real, they would just let him go yeah but he mentions that it's not necessarily getting let go that he's worried about which is a little bit of foreshadowing yeah but 
We go to the date at the amusement park. Maria and her son Nicholas want to have a picture in front of the carousel, which Trevor agrees to take, but then he freezes up for some reason. And eventually kind of snaps out of it and takes a picture, but it's not really explained why he froze up at this point. It'll be explained later. And right after the picture, Marie's ex calls on the phone. The hell is up with all the exes calling when Trevor's around? Yeah, right. <laughs> These freaking women talk to their exes more than they probably talk to normal people. Yeah. I mean, she says, yeah, it's probably him going to wish me a happy Mother's Day. I, I don't care. Uh, no. I'm still not calling, no. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe I'm just insensitive. Uh you know, it just seems to happen constantly when Trevor's around. That's got to be frustrating for the poor guy. Yeah, but he takes Trevor, or um, he takes Nicholas to go on some rides, and Nicholas sees this ride, Route Six Six Six, and insists that they go into this ride. Wow, this is a messed up ride. This yeah. is like a ride through Funhouse Haunted House kind of thing. But, oh boy, it's it's screwed up. It's very adult-themed. So there are body parts, there's a severed arm, which uh, is symbolic. Oh, yeah, what happened with, with Trevor? <laughs> there is an actual, there's a motel with some adult happenings. It's silhouetted, but you can tell exactly what's going on. It is very graphically explicit. Yes. There's a kid getting run run over by the cart that they're riding in. There's a fiery wreck, like a car wreck. So after all of that crap, they get to this right-left fork-on-the-road choice, and the, uh, the, the right says salvation, and the left says highway to hell. And uh, Nicholas is driving, but... Trevor says, you know, go right, go right. Of course Nicholas goes left. Of course he does, because he's the kid and he's yep. going to pick left. And as they go through, Trevor sees these, like, flashes of randomness, which don't make much sense at the time. But he, he kind of, it's not flashes in the ride, it's flashes in his own head of things. But there's also real flashes going on of light, and Nicholas kind of goes into this seizure Outside of the ride, Maria explains that he's epileptic and that the seizure will be okay. You don't need to call an ambulance. It'll be fine. He'll he'll snap out of it and not remember. That would have sucked. Yeah. Hey, it's our first date. Sorry I gave your kid a seizure. Yeah. But she was understanding and she, you know, felt actually felt bad for him. Yeah. So, yeah, very, very cool that she didn't flip out on him because fair to say probably 90 out of 100 would have probably at least initially anyways right the knee-jerk reaction which is you know always a spot-on thing yeah they go back to her place and he goes into the kitchen for some more wine and the clock says 130 who would have thought and he sees a Mother's Day card on the fridge, and on the inside, it's one of those hearts that opens up. And on the inside, there's a stick figure that looks an awful lot like what you would draw on a hangman board. So he goes back to the apartment, gets his post-it note, and writes M-O-T-H-E-R in instead. And at this point, the post-it note has the head and the body. 
I am assuming that that is symbolic of his incorrect guess that it was Tucker. Right. So uh, Mother is his next attempt, which prompts him to look at a picture album of him and his mom. And there is one of him in front of that carousel that he froze up uh, during taking the picture of, which perhaps explains because... He had a flashback. He had a flashback, um, and during the airport conversation, we find out that his mother is no longer with us. So that would explain the momentary freeze and why it wasn't too debilitating. So back at work. He's assigned to a different machine than he's usually running, which he kind of questions, but the foreman says, get the fuck over there. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, he's an awesome foreman who's got great people skills. And is, is safety-oriented. Oh, absolutely. Hard-nosed by the book. Hmm. And, of course, this machine is not working right, so he has to repair it. While he's doing that, he sees Miller coming out of the office. With, you know, out his left arm, of course. Right. Uh, him and the foreman walk out and uh, Trevor's way. Trevor apologizes, feels horrible. Miller just tells him, forget it, no hard feelings. He got a good settlement out of the deal. So. And he says, well, if there's anything I can ever do or I can do or get you, let me know. He says, well, how about your left arm? <laughs> Which he quickly clarifies, he's just messing with him. He, he likes the settlement he got, so. so. You keep your arm, I'm going to keep the settlement. So he, he leaves after they you know, part on good terms. And Trevor goes back to repairing his machine. And suddenly the machine kicks on. And Trevor freaks out at this and accuses everyone on the floor of doing it. Uh, he just starts actually getting a little physical with them because he thinks that they're not only now messing with him, but now they're trying to hurt him in, in possible retribution <laughs> for Miller. Uh, it's ironic in the fact that his arm got caught in the machine. Yeah. So after this spectacle, he has been relieved of his duties by the foreman who was clearly rooting for him for a good comeback and not in any way, shape, or form looking for a reason to let him go at the drop of a hat. <laughs> Must have been a terrible burden on him to have to let Trevor go. Especially, you know, he was an employee of the month. I know, right? Actually, he probably should have been employee of the month, but the... Uh, well, the year for that matter. Yeah. The foreman would have seen it differently. Yes. And did. So he gets home after all this takes place, and the power is out. He forgot to pay the utilities that he left himself a note for. <laughs> Whoops. And as he walks away, you see something trickling out of the freezer. A uh, dark something trickling, but yes. just a trick. So he leaves and goes to the bar and tries to find Ivan. He doesn't find him in the bar, so he goes to the bathroom. And he washes his hands in the bathroom the fuck bar has bleach just sitting in their bathroom? That's a liability. Big old bottle of bleach in the bathroom. Along with some other stuff on some shelves. Oh, Jesus. That, you know, cleaning supplies. Nothing like real weird like seven or anything. Right. <laughs> Not that weird. No. But still. Fucking bleach? Like, Again, that's a, a big time insurance liability. Yeah, I mean, I could see that finding its way into somebody's drink is a prank or a vengeful tactic. 
Well, some drunk ass think, trying to hit on a woman thinks that's fucking mouthwash. Could be that too. Clearly, Trevor thinks that it's so. Yeah, so, bar, bleach. Okay. Trevor has his issues. Very much. Uh, he sees some boots coming down in the stall, and he thinks that it's Ivan, so he kicks the door in, but no. It's a couple doing coupley things in the CD bar bathroom. Yeah, fornicating. No, Ivan. So he goes to Stevie. Um, as she opens the door, though, he notices a black eye on her face. She has been hit. She claims it is an occupational hazard because she is a call girl. And so the conversation shifts. They go into talking about maybe getting together and her ending her call girl ways. And the seeds get planted for that. Well, you could clearly tell Stevie cares for Trevor. Oh, absolutely. Uh, This is probably the closest thing to a real relationship that he's got, which obviously started out client and uh, service, but it it has definitely evolved. She offers him a bed to sleep off the the clock, if you will. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, she offers to, you know, crack open the fridge and make him something. Just, yeah, it is the best thing he's got going by a landslide. Oh, absolutely. So back at Trevor's place, the landlady comes in and nearly gets bludgeoned because she just lets herself into Trevor's apartment, (laughs) and he's there in the dark, scared that somebody's breaking in, say, someone from the shop or Ivan, perhaps, but it's the landlady. And he, after he collects himself, he asks what she's doing there. She says that, because she lives in the apartment below, that there is a leak coming from his apartment. And he says, no, there's not. There's really not. And I'm in a hurry, so I need you to leave. He shows her out, and then he walks to the kitchen, and he sees the fridge leaking heavily from the freezer door. And it looks a whole lot like blood, because it looks pretty red to me. And this is what the, one of the parts that got me. It's like, you see this now, and you don't think anything of it? <laughs> yeah, it's either he didn't think anything of it, or he didn't want the landlady poking her nose around. The jury's still up. But now the post-it note with the hangman has been updated again. Now it's blank I-L blank E-R. And now there is a head, a body, and one leg. And he draws the other leg... So now, the hangman has his full set of legs as he fills in the rest of the post-it note to say, Miller. So, using this as his motivation, he goes to confront Miller. And Miller's showing off all the stuff that he's bought since the settlement. Almost chopped him in the face with with hedge trimmers. (laughs) That was great. Just waving it around like, eh, whatever. Top of the line. So Trevor... Um, he humors him for a little bit, but eventually just comes right out and accuses Miller of wanting revenge for his, for the accident and him getting his arm cut off because the timing of him leaving and the machine almost taking uh, Trevor's arm, it, it was awfully coincidental. Yeah. So Miller takes exception to this, of course. And ejects Trevor from the residence via a claw hole to a very sensitive area. Yeah. Which probably hurt pretty damn bad. 
Well, the thing is, he was skin and bones, yeah. Yeah, versus a guy who, you know, did manual labor in a machine shop who probably has a pretty decent grip. Yeah. So as he is uh, tending to his wound, he's leaving towards his truck, and he sees Ivan drive away from the scene. So he hurriedly gets into his car, or truck rather, and gives chase. And as he's chasing him, he gets the plate number. And they're they're going through a tunnel, so he has to kind of get it in little bunches. But he eventually gets the whole thing, and as he's coming out of the tunnel, he decides to nearly wreck it again. Yes, this is the third time now. Uh, he almost gets into a head-on with this other vehicle because he's not paying attention. He's too busy worrying about this license plate number. Poor Trevor. And then he runs out of gas. And he's also he also runs two reds during the chase, so we could say four and five. Yeah. Oh, man. And also, the the red light is the same intersection as the last red light. Mm-hmm. So, apparently it's not a very heavily trafficked uh, traffic area. No. Alright, so he's got a license plate number. He heads off to the DMV. He's just begging with the clerk behind the glass to give him some kind of info. It's not happening. Uh, he's very clear he is not going to get... Anything, he says, especially because there's no crime. Well, what if I... uh, Trevor says, well, what if I told you that this car hit me? Uh, DMV guy says, well, nope, still wouldn't give it to you, but police might. Uh, But he doesn't see any bruises. So, okay. Challenge accepted. (laughs) We don't have any bruises showing? Well, let's go get some. So, let's do this by running out into the road in front of a car. Not only that, but it it was a mother and a child. Yeah. So, first run. Steps out. It's an SUV. Nah. We're going to step back. Second run. Volkswagen Beetle. Yep. Mother and child inside. Yep, let's do it. (laughs) Steps out in front. (laughs) She was tending to the child, so she wasn't paying attention. So, partially her fault, too. Yeah. But... He hits, he flips over the car, done, boom. Goes into the police station, limps in. <laughs> Very much limps in. So the police station, he files his report with the license plate number that he got. For Ivan. Comes back that the car was in his name and it was reported totally a year ago. So now they're thinking the guy just filed a false report. Trevor says, thinks to himself, uh-oh, um, they think I filed a false report, so he goes to leave. They follow him. Yeah. Turns into a chase. Turns into a chase down the street and into a subway. <laughs> goes from there into a sewer, where he escapes because we all know that cops are not allowed to go into sewers, so the chase has to end there. Right? Something like that. Yeah, I don't know why they just stopped, but they stopped and thought that yelling his name was going to bring him back up to the subway level. But nonetheless, they stop when he goes down to the sewers and he works his way out, does not run into Pennywise the Clown. Unfortunately, (laughs) you It fans out there, I'm sorry. I was hoping for it too. But what he does run into is a... Shadowy figure near the end of the exit pipe where you can see daylight. So he kind of ducks away as it's approaching. Apparently he evades it because we just flash right back to uh, Stevie's where 
he's walking down the hallway towards her place and just collapses while she's walking out. So she brings him in, cleans him up, patches him up, gives him some clothes that don't fit at all. No, they're way too big. <laughs> As Stevie says, I'm sorry, I don't carry size 26. And that, that probably would have still been too big. Yeah. Dude, was like a size 10 men's. Well, he should be shopping in the boys' section. Uh huh. The the boy is very tall. Yeah. So as he's getting these clothes on, uh, he sees some boots in the in the area where the shoes are, and he also looks on the headboard or the side table of the bed, and sees the fishing pick. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. So. Here's where we screw up a good thing because he confronts Stevie and flips and accuses her of being in on the whole thing and he uses the picture as his evidence. She doesn't get what the hell he's talking about. She doesn't understand the big deal about the picture. And and he, he accuses her of being of Ivan being her ex. So she doesn't get what the big deal is. And he's trying to get out, out of her where Ivan is. You know, you... you Clearly know who he is. He's right here. He must be your ex, right? I don't know what you're talking about. You talking about the the big guy in the picture? And he he kind of stops when he hears that. Is clearly taken aback, but she clarifies. You know, I see a picture of you and a big guy with glasses holding a fish. And this is where the bottom drops out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of like we said in the movie uh, Fight Club. Now we have now lost cabin pressure. So. Stunned as we all are, Trevor pauses for a minute and he just eventually just does not buy it. And he calls her a very unsavory phrase. Yes. uh, She then proceeds to kick him out, saying that he really is a psycho. Trevor has now ruined probably the best thing he had going for him. Oh, yeah. Way to go, kid. You're on a roll, buddy. So at this point now, he's just, he, he's unwinding. He goes to the airport. Maria's not there. There's this other waitress that we have not seen to this point. She sets down the stuff in front of him, and he looks up, and he's all confused and asks where Maria is, and waitress has no idea what he's talking about. You can see the clocks in the background, too, are at, you know, like 6.30 or some weird random times. She insists that there is no Maria that works there and that Trevor has been being served by her for a year and and basically just sits there looking at his coffee. She thinks he's a mute. To this, Trevor does not take well. Trevor now is going further and further down the spiral. Ah, nine snails downward spiral. Bam! And he's kicked out of the diner (laughs) in the airport. Yes, because he starts... Screaming at everyone, asking if they're in on it. Because random travelers would certainly be in on the joke. Sure, everyone is. Yeah, of course. So in the airport parking garage, he sees Ivan leaving. Ivan seems to leave a lot of places that Trevor just happens to be. So we're going to follow him and find out. And he does. And when they stop, he sees Nicholas, Maria's young boy who had the seizure... Get out of the car with Ivan into Trevor's place. Why? Don't know. So, of course, Trevor's going to go in after because it's his place and he's been looking for Ivan the whole time. And now we got Nicholas on the line. So, well, this has to go down. And he searches through his his place. 
finds Ivan shaving in the restroom with a knife in the dark. And Ivan's giving him shit because it's that the power's not on. <laughs> how, how hard it is to shave in the dark. Yeah, the scene is well lit, but it's implied that it, he's in the dark doing it. And Trevor asks where Nicholas is. And Ivan looks at him, come on, man, you know. You already know he's dead. And he starts calling for Nicholas and Ivan tells him he can't hear you now. And that he should do something about his faulty memory. So, to that, a fight ensues. And it's not a very long fight. Trevor, somehow, 121 pound, no muscle Trevor, overcomes this dude that's probably a good 250, 260. Easy, yeah. And kills him with his knife. So Trevor now goes to his freezer and opens it and finds out what the leak is all about. So when he opens it, a whole bunch of ugliness falls out of that thing. Which would make sense to a point, because if the power's out, no power, no freezer, bad things happen. Yeah. But among all of the nastiness and the blood-covered things, there is a fish head. Mm-hmm. Which all but confirms, and it then cuts to a picture that does confirm that the guy in the picture really was Trevor. And he's full-bodied, looking healthy in this picture. He's not the 120-pound Skeletor that is today. Oh, apologies to Skeletor. Skeletor actually in he had muscle. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time to get rid of the body. Uh, he wraps Ivan's body up in a carpet. Somehow, we... somehow this 121-pound guy picks up this guy and puts him in his truck. Ah, you know. Uh, dead weight. L- literally dead weight. Used a system of pulleys and levers. That we, to, uh, that we did not see. <laughs> uh, the inclined plane was used to its fullest advantage, I guess. We wind back to the opening scene. The flashlight man that shined the light on Trevor after he dumps the body is Ivan. What the fuck? Trevor dumps the body, and at first it doesn't go all the way down. He has to go and give it another shove to go down the rock face. It un- the, the carpet unrolls and there's nobody there. Yeah, well, and then this, was an- this was another of many what-the-fuck moments. But it started to make sense. Yeah. So, back home, we're looking in the mirror, and we see a post-it in the reflection, and we also see Ivan. And this is where we begin the flashbacks that are going to put all of this together. So, buckle your seatbelts, here we go. So Trevor's driving the red car that Ivan had been driving the whole time. Cigarette lighter pops out. He looks down to get it and light his cigarette that he has in his mouth ready. Doesn't see the crosswalk and the red light that is at said crosswalk. Pedestrian's walking across. The kid that is walking across stops to bend down for something. And Trevor just nails him because he's going 60 and not paying attention. And a woman runs to the kid like Maria did in the amusement park. Trevor looks back, kind of looks horrified, and then drives off. So he has hit a kid and killed him and driven off in a hit and run. So many things put together here. But first, he finishes off the post-it with K-I-L-L-E-R and the full hangman saying killer. So... The first incident of bad driving, when he almost causes a wreck trying to light a cigarette, 
the kid that got hit in the uh, Route 666 haunted house, the car wreck that explains why it was reported as totaled. So obviously he dumped the car and made it look like it was a, a totaled accident. All the flashbacks, you see a flashback of a woman running with this tower in the background several times throughout. Now we know where that came from. So at this point, we go into the real decision time for Trevor, but first he's got his stuff packed up and he tells the landlady that he is moving and he's donating all of his things. So obviously he is not coming back for any of this. And he keeps looking out the window and you can see Ivan sitting in his truck. He sure does. So they go for a drive in this truck. And Ivan being along with him with that smile I want to punch. They get to a fork. Sound familiar? Left is going to the airport. Right is going to downtown. We all know what downtown signifies. Sounds a lot like left highway to hell, right salvation in the haunted house ride. Mm -hmm. Awfully clever. And you're not sure which one he's going to pick right away, but he eventually does what he told Nicholas to do in the ride, chooses right, and turns himself into the police. And once he hits the bed in his cell, he says he just wants to sleep. And for the first time in a year, he does. Yeah. It was about instant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And you get a final shot of him driving the red car through the tunnel that he followed Ivan to get the plate as it's all beat up after the accident. He's, yeah. During the accident scenes, he's not 121 either. He's, you know, full-bodied like in the picture. So clearly the, the guilt-ridden year that followed led to all of that stuff and... Possibly all of the hallucinations and all of that stuff, too. Then we roll the credits, and that is the end of The Machinist. Holy hell. Yeah. Modern-day Hitchcock. Absolutely <clears throat> modern-day Hitchcock. This thing, it, it did such a great job of roping you along on one trajectory, maybe throwing you a red herring over here, but keeping you on the line. And then all of a sudden, it just popped you. Right. Off into another time zone. <laughs> well, it built you up for it, and then it really spun you. So this was your first run through this movie. Uh, initial thoughts? Uh, when you first got done, and well, the credits hit. Well, earlier when I was watching the movie, during the movie earlier, I text Bill. And I said, what kind of fucked up movie are you having me watch? <laughs> My one word response was Hitchcockian. Absolutely. Which is a word, I looked it up, so I can't send that one to Webster, unfortunately. But, I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, wow, that was fucked up, but it had a good message. In terms of yeah. his subconscious came through, even though he was hallucinating. It led him to the road of salvation. Yeah, that, and that's kind of in that motif of Hitchcock, and I'll keep saying it until you're tired of hearing me say Hitchcock, but... It always seems like, in Hitchcock, really the bad guy never really wins. Right. He, you know, he'll have the upper hand, or, um, like, spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't seen Psycho, I, I don't know who you could possibly be, but I'm sure there are people, but, you know, Norman Bates doesn't, like, die or anything in the end, but, you know, he still loses. Yeah. So he, he doesn't get away with it. 
Same thing here. He doesn't get away with it. No, but at least he's turning himself in doing the right thing. Right. This is where the more <clears throat> modern twist would be, whereas I think Hitchcock would have found more of a, a way for him to get caught rather than him realizing it and turning himself in. Right. But I liked that they did it that way because... Lisa, it was uh, good to see that desire for doing the right thing, because that's the way his character was through the whole thing. Well, that too, but you could speculate too by saying, <clears throat> excuse me, that he did this so he could sleep again. It could be. To clear his conscience. It very well could be. Um, it. My only gripe is it's so out of character that he would have ran after the hit in the first place, but... I got through it. I'm okay with it. I understand panic. I understand irrational panicky decisions. Sure, but at the same time, we don't know Trevor from that time either. Sure. Yeah, this is just beautifully woven with all of the little foreshadows and all of the the themes that come back around sure. to help sew up the ending too that you just don't notice in the you know. Sure. Guy pops a cigarette lighter and just wasn't paying attention and almost hits a car. A car. You don't think about that in the scene 15 minutes into the movie, no. but when it comes around again, and you find out that that's like the the pop-off point for this hit-and-run accident that kills a freaking kid, like, well, you can oh even, man. <laughs> you, can even, you can even say that <clears throat> when he had to use his cigarette lighter in his truck, and that's when Ivan showed up, and that's how all this started. Right. It set him off. Yeah, that's a good point, too, is that's where... Uh, all of that turmoil began, and he's clearly the manifestation of that inner turmoil, yeah. something that he can project everything sure. onto. And, you know, that's the beginning of his psychosis. That psychosis of cake, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I very much compared this movie to Fight Club and the fact that it was very similar in terms of, you know, oh, you, no, that's not me. Yeah. But at the same time, well, it... Fight Club, yeah, it was serious, but it had its more lighthearted moments as to where this was very serious. Sure, but I, I'm I'm totally following you on the whole, you know, projection of your, or that working towards the realization that it's you the whole time, right. not understanding that it's it's not a separate person. It's just your projection of some part of your personality. Yeah, very good parallel, which is part of why I figured you would dig this one. I do. I really do. Uh, it's got that style. Uh, it was suspenseful without being like a street horror movie. Right. Uh, it, yeah, it was darker, but fairly easy to follow once you get through it the first time. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know how well this actually did in its initial release. <clears throat> um, I had never heard of it until... Well, the, I, I was reading about it online... <clears throat> Today, actually, their budget was five million dollars. They uh, uh, they grossed eight. Okay, so it was a, a moderate success. Yeah, it wasn't uh, a complete mom, but yeah, I learned about it um, three, four years later. I want to say, uh, yeah, it turned into a sleeper hit for me for sure. Nice. I, I'm sure a lot of people have learned about it after the fact. I, I don't, I, I hesitate to call things cult movies anymore. Is there's so many things that are called cult classics that I don't believe are. Right. But this is one of those that would have a better following after the fact 
many years after the fact, I'm sure, than it did when it was released. Much like Boondock Saints. Sure. So with that being said, let's give this guy some numbers. Alrighty. Alright, The Machinist. Plot. I will go with a four on this one. Okay. I mean, to me, it was very, it was, it, it delved into something very deep. It was, you know, like I said, and this is me just saying this because it was my first time watching it. You know, it was kind of hard to follow in the beginning, but at the end it all made sense. So, I mean, I like I like it in that, in that, in that regard. Okay. So, I'm going to give this one a four and a half because I'm a Hitchcock nerd, and this just hit all of those buttons for me. And they, they didn't screw it up. A lot of people try to be Hitchcock. It's very hard to pull off because there are always so many loose ends that you got to tie up. I can't think of a one that they didn't. There might be. If there are, hit us up. Hoosiermovie at gmail.com, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yep. Uh, if you know of one that I don't. But I think they hit everything that they they set up. That's really hard to do. And they did it in a way that wasn't tipping you off. You, you could have probably guessed Killer for the Hangman post-it note early. But when he starts filling in the other words, it would at least make you second guess it. Yeah. You know, it does a good job of lining those things up to work. And then once everything goes off the rails, it have pretty much bought into the fact of what's happened that he's, you know, Ivan's not real. Then getting to see him learn that after you've already accepted it is really fun. So, yeah, that one, I won't give it a perfect score, but it was Pretty damn good. How about the visuals? I, I like the visuals. Again, I'm going to go with a four. I mean, a lot of different, you know, textures, you know, backgrounds. It was, I mean, the fact that Christian Bale weighed 100, quote-unquote, 121 pounds, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... And he wanted more. Yeah. He wanted seven more pounds to make it an even 70. I mean, just, again, folks, if you've never seen this movie, he is shirtless a few times in this movie and that's pretty damn disgusting well yeah and like the opening scene with stevie he does this weird stance that just oh my god it looked like out of thriller or something right uh and most of the pictures online i think are him doing that pose so if you look it up you'll probably see what we're talking about well i mean hell if you want to do a, a comparison about christian bale in this movie Pull up a picture of American Psycho and pull up a picture of The Machinist. Yeah. Oh, my God. Night talk, and day. Talk about yin and yang there. Night and day difference. Yeah. Uh, hats off to that guy for what he puts himself through to yeah. do whatever he needs to do for his roles. Because, man. Yeah, I mean, the visuals in the movie, though, I think it did, they were, again, like I said, what the plot mm-hmm. did do, which was what it was supposed to do. Especially in the days of CGI now. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was in its infancy in 2004 still. Eh, probably a little, you know, middle of the road, maybe. Yeah. But certainly not to the effect that we have today. No. Uh, but they still probably could have done it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at Hollow Man, I think that was around the same time period. They erased Kevin Bacon out of everything and made him invisible. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, things could have been done, but no, he he did it the right way. All right, so for me, I'm gonna give the visuals. Uh, a th- I'm gonna give it a four. I 
thought it was pretty clever that they shot the whole movie in almost like this monochromish look. Everything just looked toned down. There's not like these bright, brilliant colors. No. Even the stuff that is colorful, it, it just has this like faded look to it. And it kind of enforces that insomniac kind of outlook on life, you know, where it's all hazy and you're not sure. quite with it. And then when he turns himself in, everything's bright as hell. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's awesome. Oh, it's like you go from <clears throat> when you when you when they first had color TV in the 60s. Yeah. To now. And it, it had to have been on purpose, so I'm, I'm going to give him points for that. And well, it's like a, having a hazy brain. Yeah. Of, of course, the visual of him as the character, yeah. good lord. Uh, they just, yeah, they did a good job. How about tension? Well, tension for me in this one, I like the fact that, you know, again, you knew something wasn't right. So they, they kind of kept your guess until the end. So, I mean, again, I wasn't, like, overwhelmed with it, but mm-hmm. I did like it, so I'd I definitely give it a four. Mm-hmm. I would agree that they did a good job. I'll give it a four as well. I think at a certain point you realize what's going on and that he's really kind of having a mental breakdown, which I don't know if that eases or increases the tension really. But when you don't know what's going on, you you have that kind of isolated feeling like he did yeah where you wonder if everyone's really out to get him or what's going on but something doesn't quite seem right with this ivan guy which you end up finding out why but he just never seems to fit no so you don't know why he's there which kind of strings you along on that tension line and i like that well and the other thing that struck me is really odd about ivan the two fingers. Yeah, we didn't touch on the, the fingers, but I I don't know if there's some kind of symbolism there or what. Because well, he, he came along after Miller got hurt. Yeah. Or oh, right, right around that area. Right around there, because he's the one who distracted Trevor to um, hit the button. And weren't those the fingers that Miller lost, including the hand, though? If you look back in the picture. I don't know what the significance is of that. It was awfully weird. But it was really weird. If you know the significance, please hit us up at who'syourmovie at gmail.com or Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. There you go. <laughs> All right, musical score. Honestly, I'll give this one a two and a half. I didn't really notice any. I mean, it, yeah. if, it, if, it, if it was, if it was, you know, into the, into the, I mean, maybe I was so into the movie, I just didn't notice. Mm-hmm. So... I don't. I really can't say that's good. It's bad. I'm right down the middle with this one. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a, a three, just because it's the same thing. Um, it's really an unnoticeable soundtrack. Or really, it's a score. Yeah. It's a pure score here. There's yeah. there's no notable songs in it. No. And that also harkens back to Hitchcock. He liked to use the orchestral music, especially the stringed instruments, for tension. So they did a good job of being true to that. I, again, it's just, you know, it was there. Yeah. It was just there. I I appreciate that they went that route, but I wasn't going to, you know, be blown away by any of it. Right. How about the acting? Well, I mean, you think about it, there's only three, well, Ivan, which I don't know the act, his actor's name, but I, mean, I was with you on, on him, complete douche canoe, but so... if. 
by any chance you're listening right now, whoever you are, you know, you did your job as an actor, so. John Sherian. Yeah. Uh, I was a little let down on, on Michael Ironside in this one because he's usually a dick, and he wasn't a dick <laughs> in this movie, so it kind of threw me off, but I wouldn't say I was upset about it, but I was just kind of disappointed. But other than that, Christian Bale did a great job. I mean, again, like we've spoken on on this point a few times tonight, you're willing to lose damn near 70 pounds and get down to, you know, be a six foot, 120 pound guy. I mean, granted, that's not the acting, but that's the, the lengths you're willing to go to to fill a role. Kudos. You know, so I, I, I give the acting a five. So, yeah, I, I, I love the acting in this only because I want to punch Ivan in the face. I will give this a four. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I understood his character's need. I just thought the performance was a little too annoying for my taste. And I, I wasn't enjoying any of the time that he was on the screen. It was like X-Pac heat. Well, and something I left out within the acting category here. Sure, sure. Very, very important to me, you know, to me and probably most males. We got to see Jennifer Jason Lee naked. That's awesome. We do see that. Yeah. So if that's an itch you want to scratch from 2004 Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, uh, very impressive. The Machinist has you covered. Very, very, very impressed. The Machinist has you covered by having her uncovered. That's right. All right. So overall. Overall, I mean, again, only having seen it the one time. I'm sure if I watched it one or two more times, I'd probably catch a lot more than I missed. Mm-hmm. So for now, I'm going to go with a four. Fair. I mean, it's a good movie. I you know I did enjoy it. You know, and I like the way it un, uh, it kind of unraveled at the end there and it showed you basically how everything tied together. It was a good movie. Um, I too will give this a four overall. I think the the lower scores kind of influenced me overall here. Uh, I will always love the plot. The rest of it, you know, again. Wasn't um, wasn't anything bad. Really, really great movie. But I will give it a four overall, just because I I can't in good conscience give it a perfect score. But I love the movie. I will watch the movie over and over again, which is a recurring theme with what we've done so far. I know, but Christian Bale is one of those guys that anything he's in is automatically better. Mm-hmm. There are very few guys like that. Uh, we had like Morgan Freeman in the last in movie when we did Seven. Christian uh, Bale's another one. I'm sure we're gonna run into a few more as we go through our list of movies sure. on this journey, and I will happily point them out when they occur. Yes, but yeah, this is a very solid addition to the library that I would turn anyone on that has any kind of interest in the suspense genre. Now, <clears throat> I do want to point out a fun fact here. Sure. Bill let me borrow the DVD to this movie so I could watch it. The one thing I found funny was when I got home, it you had bought it brand new and it was still in this original plastic wrap. Yeah. You hadn't even opened it yet. No, no, no. I picked it up uh, so that you could watch it. It was like five oh. bucks. Well, thank you, sir. I didn't know that. Yeah. thought no. that was part of your collection. Nope. Nope, nope. It was five bucks. So I was like, well, yep, let's do it. <laughs> well, I could have gone to our favorite uh, you know, DVD place and... Probably gotten it cheaper, and you'd... maybe. But yeah, I mean the thing. But was... for the gas you would have spent there and back, and the time, eh, five bucks. Well, I got the one near me, so it's not that big of a deal. But yeah. Alrighty then. All right. So that closes the book on the machinist. What's on deck? Let's see what's on deck. 
Oh, not the White Sox in the going to the postseason. Oh, 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 oh. oh, we got a game changer here. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to run through the saga next of Indiana Jones. Yes. This is going to be fun. Oh, this one's going to be long, too. Yeah, I feel like we're probably going to break this one up a little bit. Um, this might be a two-parter. Yeah, and, yeah fair enough. Uh, just for for your own sake, I, I don't know that you guys want to listen to a four-hour podcast, so we'll, we'll do you the favor and break it up. But we said that when we hit these kind of things, we're going we're gonna to hit the whole lot. Uh, so we're going to do all four movies. Uh, very few exceptions, like, God help us when we get to Star Wars. Star Wars yeah. <laughs> but there, there's a few, like, when we do Nightmare on Elm Street, we're probably only going to do the first one. Uh, unless there's, like, serious clamor to do the rest of them. Because there's, like, 12 of those now, I think. Yes. If you include Freddy vs. Jason and the remake. So, but Indiana Jones, four movies, we will definitely do them all. So... We might do Raiders and Temple and then do Last Crusade and Crystal Skull. Yep. I'm okay with that. And I'm sure most of you will probably turn it off after we get done with Crusade. But we're going to do Crystal Skull for posterity, damn it. Well. <laughs> and I actually don't hate it so much, so a little spoiler there. Yeah, but. Oh, man. All right. So, yeah, we're set for the next couple of episodes here now. That's going to be good. Well, and it's going to be easier for both of us going back to and re-watching these movies. That way we can only have to do Raiders and Temple at, at, you know, before the next one, and then we can go do Crystal Skull and uh, uh, Last Crusade. Maybe hey, we should put Crystal Skull up first and make them listen to it so that they have yeah. to go through it to get the Last Crusade. No, then they would hate us and turn it off. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Stay tuned for this one, guys. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we've got the machinists in the books. We got our our next movies lined up. Any parting words of wisdom from you, sir? Well, anything comes out of my mouth that ain't very bright, so <laughs> I don't know about that. Say, very little wisdom coming out of my mouth, but well, if you got anything you want to say to us, let's say hit us up. Who's your movie at gmail.com. We've got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. All that good social media stuff. No, we don't Snapchat, so don't ask. Yeah, we are on the interweb. <laughs> but yes, we are very accessible on the interwebs. So, until next time, I'm Bill. Zoom. We will see you out down the road. Peace.